What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, October 30th, 2022, and this week's episode, The Problem Continues. We'll talk about a stacked weekend in combat sports. First off, Jake Paul's victory over the all-time great Anderson Silva. We'll take it back to UFC Vegas 63. Calvin Cater and Arnold Allen did not end the way many expected, but it does set the stage for the featherweight division. And we'll talk about the latest in MMA news. Bellator's biggest card to date, arguably, takes place once again on New Year's Eve in Japan. And we'll cap off the show by discussing this coming Saturday's event and the strawweight bout between Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Lemos. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Wow, I'm just ready to get into it because there's uh, not a whole lot to talk about as far as, you know, thickness of, uh, of the fight weekend, but importance, significance, um, highlight-worthy content, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I, was, I thought we were about to have our Halloween chat, but no, let's get into well, it. I'm actually done with that. I can tell you this. I can <laughs> tell you this. Um, I don't have a costume. Usually I like to get at least a t-shirt. I don't have that. Um, my, my, my son, we're actually going to do like legit trick-or-treating tomorrow. So that's good. He's, uh, he's got his fireman t-shirt, firefighter, excuse me, t-shirt. And, uh, oh, you got to stack t- You got to tag Stipe in pictures, man. That's right. It's a good one. <laughs> We, uh, you know, Walmart has those shirts on sale. Let me tell you right now. Okay, okay, I might have to go there. Yeah. Uh, we didn't carve any pumpkins, but I do have like pumpkin stickers. And you just slap a sticker on some silly faces. Bada bing, bada boom, no mess. So we did that. <laughs> I'll be very blunt. I live on a street. Not too many people are really in the spirit. I feel like I've counted less than five houses on like this particular like block. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, you know, it's... You almost feel bad, like you almost feel like the kids are gonna go somewhere else, so you're kind of hesitant to put an effort out there. I know, you know. I know. Well, we are like our like specific neighborhood does nothing. Last year we had first moved here, we put out candy, no candy, no kids, nothing. But down a few blocks away, there's some houses with serious graveyards and you know mummies and decorations and whatnot. So that's a apparently that's a spot. So we're gonna go there. There you go. Well. You know who else went somewhere? <laughs> Jake Paul. <laughs> this, oh, let me tell you. You know what? Okay, I'm going to just say it right now. Yes, we, we are a very pro MMA show, obviously, people. Um, I am not going to, you know, be uh, salty about this. That was an amazing performance by the problem child. And for, uh, what was it? Eight rounds? Ten rounds? I already eight, forgot. Eight, eight. Yeah, it was eight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, look, eight rounds, I thought that um, really, I think the biggest difference was just uh, the power and the impact for Jake. I thought that Anderson fought rather well, considering everything, considering he's, what, about 20 years older than Jake, considering yeah. the mileage and everything else. I thought that Anderson withstood a lot of shots well. I think the big difference ended up being the impact. I think they said that Anderson landed more, Jake threw more, but then you got to remember that when Jake is throwing, even if those things aren't landing cleanly, 
they were just starting to really start to wear on Anderson. He started showing that damage on his face, especially late in the fight. Um, and I think that Anderson was just never really able to respond with something that made Jake hesitant, that made Jake want to avoid those exchanges. I felt like Jake just kind of kept stepping into the fire and felt like he was overpowering, you know, the older athlete and credit to him. I think a lot of people thought that Anderson's going to do whatever Anderson wants to do to a guy who has so much less experience. And what we saw was that Jake actually, I was surprised how well he defended a lot of those. I thought that he made a lot of good tactical choices in that fight to avoid a lot of those flurries that Anderson was trying to set up. Mm -hmm. They obviously both got their shots in, but I can't lie to you. Uh, I did not see that controversially as that clock was winding down. I was like, Jake Paul really handled this one well. I don't see anything wrong with giving him that decision. What about you? I did not see anything wrong with giving him the decision once round eight gave us that, produced that knockdown. Oh, yeah. Um, up until round seven, I think, I you know, I, I can't remember who they had um, doing the, the, the scores for the for Showtime, but they had it 3-2 Jake Paul, and then I think it was 4-2. Um, like, they, you know, they only had given Anderson Silva, I think, two rounds. At, at round five, I had them two and two um, at the beginning of round five. So I thought Silva was doing a lot better than the judges, you know, scored it or even the commentators scored it or were, you know, were talking about it. Um, round seven, I can't remember what happened, but I knew that but round eight was like, okay, Silva. Okay, I think seven, he took it He took it slow a little bit. Round eight, I'm saying to Silva and to the TV, to my husband, to everybody, okay, Silva, here you go. And he knew it too. And I think the mistake he made was that he came out too aggressive. That would have worked against someone his own age, right? But, like, we cannot pretend there is this huge age disparity, and that does make a difference. So for whatever attributes Silva still had, whatever, you know, tools he still had in the tool bag, like he was just a little bit slower and so Jake Paul had enough juice, enough uh, you know fuel in there to to take advantage of Anderson coming forward very aggressively, and was able to you know catch him with two punches, and the second one of those knocked him down. And you know once that happened, you know it's over. The decision's going his way. That being said, the fight for me, I was very pleased with Anderson Silva's performance. I thought his head movement was still exceptionally, exceptionally awesome to sound like, uh, you know, to use a, to hyperbole there. But like, I was really blown away by, by his head movement. It slowed down a little bit towards the end, but he was still slipping and dodging like nobody's business. 47 years old moving like that. I mean, the man is just, it, it is like water, right? He really is flowing in there. He's still the Anderson Silva that we love. Some punches had some steam on them, some didn't, but, you know, I think if he had been able to keep Jake Paul against the ropes a little bit longer in, in every round, he would have had more success. But, you know, Jake Paul knew Anderson Silva well from being a fan of his as a kid, and all he does is box. That's just, that's just what he's doing. He's training full-time in boxing. They're just game planning. How do you beat 47-year-old Anderson Silva? And they had the perfect game plan. The body shots, I thought, were, were really well um, used at the beginning, especially. 
the defense that Jake Paul implemented, you know, up against the ropes, those long arms, he was really able to to protect his body and his face. So Silva couldn't really sneak a whole lot in there. Um, you know, Silva had some flurries that were successful, uppercuts, landing here and there. I think a lot of the damage, from my perspective, that appeared on Silva's face came from head butts uh, by Jake Paul. And you could see Silva complaining a lot to the ref. Um, you know, Jake Paul, because he was trying to do that body shot jab, he was his, his posture was very low. So when he would go in to to clinch or just to do some, you know, some phone booth work, his head was always rubbing up or, or banging up against Anderson Silva. So I think a lot of the, the puffiness that we saw was from that and the bleeding on the mouth. Not to say Jake Paul didn't land punches. He did. Uh, so disappointing. Heck yeah. But at least it was competitive, man. If you think about the Tyron Woodley fight, the Ben Askren fight, like that was just taking the air out of you from this year to five years down the road because there was no there was no offense from our MMA guys. Anderson Silva was there to fight and he did. I'm proud of him. I'm impressed. He looks great. I'm you know especially in the face off right before they went to fight before the bell rang. You look at the Anderson Silva's eyes man, he was like ready to kill. Jake Paul couldn't even look him in the eyes. He had to lower his head. At that moment I thought Silva's got a good chance here, but you know, I think Jay Paul was able to to regain his composure and do what he needed to do. So it's a bummer for the MMA world, but at least not a devastating blow. We didn't see Silva get knocked out. We didn't see him get beat up. It was a competitive fight, and that's the most you could, you know, that's that's the best outcome we could hope for without a Silva win. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously Anderson outperformed all of Jake Fo- Jake Paul's prior foes combined let's say like Like, it is and then some yeah yeah and then obviously uh, i'll give it to jake jake fought anderson better than julio cesar chavez jr did and chavez jr had a championship when he fought canelo years prior so it's you know like i said i'm not gonna be you know salt and potatoes about it that was a great fight for jake considering everything and considering the context um, and now let's talk about the future. Anderson says, you know, I'm not done by any means uh, for as a fan of his. And I know many are. You know what? If there's more fights for him to be had and exhibitions, let's do it. I, yeah. I'm more than happy to see it. In terms of Jake Paul, he obviously threw down the gauntlet at Nate Diaz. I do believe he feels like there is a window while he's really young and when Canelo gets older and kind of that window shuts for him at the elite, maybe sneaking in there for which mind you, I guess you're allowed to dream, but even then I'm aware it's like he wasn't fighting Anderson. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Canelo. I know you're excited and you're hype and Anderson was an MMA goat, but let's not get carried away talking about Canelo now. Anyway, I do appreciate the boldness. It's one of those things, you know, like your parents or a teacher might say, you know, you, you never know uh, unless unless you ask. Why yeah, not? Put right? it out there. The secret. Right. Just put it out there. You know, could he piss off uh, Canelo enough to ever get that fight? No. 
Um, I mean, if Kamaru Usman couldn't do it. <laughs> I know. Could he ever get popular enough to, to get that fight? I don't know, but he is bigger than Canelo, right? I mean, <laughs> look. I actually think Canelo's a little bigger. but I mean, yeah. taller? I, I have to see it. Yeah. Canelo's actually pretty tall, believe it or not. I think they're actually about the same size. Okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, would I pay money to watch that fight? Yeah. Yeah, because you want to see a dead body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be like if Silva had fought Jake Paul in Silva's prime, right? It would kind of be like that with, with the movement that Canelo has. That He also has beautiful, gorgeous head movement and movement from the waist. Um, but yeah, Jake Paul and Nate Diaz, okay, that seems pretty clear. That's what we're going to see next. Makes me worry for Nate Diaz a little bit because this guy's this guy's young and strong, right? And that's a combination that is proving challenging for the older, you know, gentlemen of MMA that are stepping up to fight him. Um, but I would still watch it. And again, like you keep mentioning the saltiness. Yeah, I'm not trying to be salty. You cannot take anything away from this guy, from Jake Paul. He's doing something that we would all love to do. And he's making money. He's having fun. He's working hard. I would love to see what actually happens between Jake Paul and Anderson Silva as regards to this MMA, you know, healthcare union thing. That's very interesting. I think that's a smart tactic to bring in those MMA fans that roll their eyes at him because then... He can say, I'm helping the fighters you love. I'm doing this for you guys and for your fighters. That's the kind of hard thing to turn your back on um, as an MMA fan. So do you like that, you know, that bet that, you, that, that he made? Do you think that's a smart move from him? To go back to my reference from the Dark Knight movie, um, <laughs> Jake Paul may be the hero we deserve but not the one we need right now yeah and i think that's what it comes down to look uh, um I, I think that there's at its core this idea that perhaps he is not doing it so much with the athletes in mind mm -hmm. as much as the uh business warfare that he wants to wage with dana white yeah. and in that. that way, you know, and look, like, for example, the the girl, um, I think it was last year, it might have been 2020, saying, oh, well, I got to start like a GoFundMe to pay for my camp. And yeah, Jake yeah. Paul donates like, what, 10 grand or something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it, uh, look, respectfully, and this may hurt some people for me to say so bluntly. 10 grand really isn't too much for a guy who makes income the way he does hand over fist yeah not it's nothing yeah so you know I, I think that to him starting a business doing all this getting uh, having that capital already to him it, that's not as challenging as it is for many of the athletes and other figures in the sport what it really comes down to is when rubber meets the road do you count on this ambassador to still be gung-ho about it or is suddenly the the battery going to be taken out when it comes time to like, hey, you really got to sit here and fight this and do this. And 
you know, let's be honest. What if it becomes a thing that goes to court and this and that? And this is all stuff that now is going to cut into the Jake Paul bottom line. Yeah. Who knows? But then suddenly it's like, is that something he wants to continue his investment in and potentially lose money in trying to get it to take off as opposed to, hey, I want to start something but then leave it to someone else? Yeah, that's a Pandora's box right there that... Yeah. Uh, I don't know how far ahead, how many steps ahead he's considered, right? And like I said, he has the capital to do it, I'm sure. And I'm sure fighters in the short term, they appreciate it because they like the idea of possibly getting, alleviating some of their own personal situations. Mm -hmm. If they are not in a place where they can really uh, throw some weight around to try to get some more help for whatever reason. Right. Um, Back to Nate, though, and everything else. I do want to acknowledge that I think that like you said, because the size for Nate, I think people, for, I know Nate is really tall guys, but there's a reason he's a 170. There's a reason people said he should be 55. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when you see him next to like a Hamza Chimaev, let's be honest, people, Hamza Chimaev would have murdered him and you know that. Come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's be honest. I, I think that the fight with Nate, even though Anderson is Anderson, the fight with Nate Diaz just sells. They mm-hmm. got those personalities like Connor and Nate. Just you put them together, it's two fan bases and two guys who will ignite the both of their you know followings for a big fight. I think it sells itself. Competitively, I don't know if it would be as good as the fight with Silva, but I understand business. It's not always about what's in the ring. It's about what you can make outside of it. Okay. You could talk about a, a Tommy Fury, and I throw ta- I throw out Tommy because honestly he was such a good opponent at the time. Mm-hmm. He has the name. He is absolutely the definition of a boxing prospect, like Jake Paul is trying to be, an actual boxing from the get go, not MMA transition to boxing athlete. Yeah. However, I would argue now at this point it almost feels like. Jake Paul needs to fight some of these other fringe contenders who are trying to get these fights with the Demetrius Andrades, who are trying to get to fights with the Caleb Plants of the world. He wants to fight guys now that are on those tracks. You know, same size, same age, probably got about 10 or so fights to their name, trying to work their way up. Um, Like, I mean, you look at that kid who won on the undercard on the co-main event, Ashton Mm -hmm. Silve. Yeah. I mean, that kid's got close to 10 fights right now himself. He's looking for fighters like that around that level now. If you're talking about getting on the track to boxing. Now, maybe those fights at this point, because you're Jake Paul, don't sell as well as pursuing a Nate Diaz. Yeah, pursuing a Tommy, pursuing um, Haseem Rahman Jr., which I would argue that's more about proven that you could take out a bigger guy right but yeah the whole point of that that i'm trying to get at is competitively nate probably isn't gonna be like the other opponents just on the size alone and now the skills that we know jake paul has but for jake paul to pursue another boxer who is less heralded than the mma freaking goat that's probably not gonna sell as well for a guy who let's be honest he's a pay-per-view headliner it's about selling pay-per-views, not just yeah. having fights. So, 
Yes, that's true. But I, it's just like, at what point does he start segueing into actually fighting, you know, like legit boxers or like say someone his own age, his own size? Like, I feel like now's the time for that. But, but, but of course, if you want to, if you want to secure the bag, as you always say, uh, securing the bag is going to be, you're going to secure a bigger bag doing this, this, um, going this, continuing down this route until you run out of guys, right? Nate Diaz is, is viable, so so why not run with that one? At some point, there aren't going to be any lucrative MMA, you know. He'll have secured all the bags. <laughs> he'll have secured all the bags, yeah. And then he can go test his uh, his skills against an actual boxer who came up, you know, boxing since they were a kid in the grimy gym, doing the amateur circuit all the way up. Then Then we can see. But, yeah, at that point, do we care and does he care what what's – Where's the value in that for him? Getting punched a bunch and making less money. I mean, you look at a kid like, look at Ryan Garcia. If I'm not mistaken, I don't even think Ryan has a belt himself right now. Yeah. You know, obviously you got Devin Haney has the belts and obviously there's a bunch of champions. But my point of using Ryan as an example, look how long he's been doing it. Look how many big fights he's been in. Uh He hasn't necessarily fought for the world title. And while some people would argue he's at that level, certainly it's just about the business side. My point is that it's not like, as much as I'm, yes, there's a ton of belts, that doesn't mean they all just grow on trees. Right. It does take quite a bit of work to actually get into those fights and to really be at that level. Like I said, a guy like Ryan Garcia, who's so talented and young himself, you got a kid like that who's not fighting for a belt, but you're telling me Jake Paul is possibly close to a WBC, IBO, something like that. This is, you know. And, and once again, that's, I think, where the disconnect comes from because a guy who's headlining multiple pay-per-views now should be fighting for those belts, right? That's our common sense that we've been drilled into for the past however many years. Of course. It, it would take years to get to that place, though, and he's done it in... Immediately. Three. Yeah. <laughs> His first I mean, pro fight was on a that Mike Tyson co-main yeah, event. fast track, man. Good, yeah, for, so. good for him. I mean, jeepers. Anyway, but that that's my point. That's the Jake Paul business in a nutshell, if you don't understand it. Yeah. If you don't know, now you know. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um... I do look forward to see... I know John Morgan tried it. I do look forward to the next Dana White scrum. You know, Dana, so do you? And it's like... I don't know. I I just want to see how Dana reacts to it. Like, oh, you guys... How long did you guys think of a way to try to, you know, present me that question to see if you could get away with it? (laughs) But, um... Yeah, I'll leave that for another day. Let's talk about some UFC, though. Okay. Um, obviously, uh, heartbreaker, Arnold Allen, Calvin Cater, featherweight. Obviously, Arnold was on a nine-fight win streak. Calvin, close fight with Josh Emmett, um, competitive one. And instead, this one kind of ends really heartbreakingly. They have a really decent first round back and forth. I thought that Calvin was doing well, but Arnold was still revving up. I thought that Arnold was just... Um, looking to kind of just be more efficient. He was really just looking for his spots and then looking to open up rather than really get volume going like I thought Calvin was. Late in the first round, Calvin goes for like that jumping knee. He just, 
I don't know how else to say it. He, he just seemed to botch the landing. It looked like he just, um, maybe he thought that Arnold was still going to stay there and it kind of bounces off the body or something. But Calvin just lands very awkwardly on his knee, clearly throws it out of place, um, gets followed to the ground by Arnold, uh, survives. The corner kind of builds him up, but then on the first kick, Calvin immediately falls. Ref calls it off. Um, kind of like Yair versus Brian Ortega. They got going, and then it just ends quickly with an injury, and it's kind of like we, we, it still doesn't feel like we got a fight unfortunately, because it was so early. Yeah, that's 100% true. The flying knee attempt, it was at a, at a terrible angle. I think it's one of those where you, you realize just a second too late that you're in the wrong position and you've taken off from the wrong you know place. And he's sort of, I think Arnold Allen was maybe pivoting, circling out and... and Cater was trying to sort of move midair to him and his legs were just spread way apart. So when he landed on his on his right knee, it was turned outward and yeah, just just a terrible injury. Um, you know, fighters are so good at, at being tough, at, at faking, at masking pain. I thought, okay, well, he looks pretty calm on the stool and uh, this might be okay, but yeah, of course, instantly um, neutralized, uh, you know, to the ground, to the canvas, and that's it. And it's such a bomber, man, because my first thought, apart from, you know, that's a horrible injury, is like, I don't think of Calvin Cater as the kind of person who uses a flying knee attack. So the fact that he was doing that surprised me. And then, of course, it's like something you don't really do, and it ends up being what, what puts you out. It's tough. Nobody wants to lose that way. Nobody wants to win that way. And, you know, hopefully, I don't know anything yet, hopefully it's not a terrible injury, something that is relatively quick to recover from, but I don't have a good feeling about it. I'll just say that. No, that's fair. I completely get where you're coming from. Um, Look, uh, Arnold Allen's, I think this is probably the most heartbreaking for him because Respect with respect to Calvin Cater, and obviously the fact that now you're injured, Calvin Cater's had a great year overall. The fight with Giga, the fight with Josh, for Arnold, yeah. you're talking about a guy who's really struggled to stay active in his UFC career, and I'm not going to rehash that whole number again. But now it's kind of like, well, you know, you did all this work to have a second fight in a year, which doesn't happen usually for you, and it really almost feels like it doesn't count. And now, yes, technically he gets the win. The win streak is intact. But now you kind of have this awkward scenario. There's three guys. And potentially only two can compete for an interim or essentially title eliminator. So you got Yair, Josh, now Arnold. If I'm being quite honest with you, Natalie, had he gone out there and just gotten the job done quickly and just kind of, you know... Gave the whole, like, hey, wave for the belt and all that. He would have been in a much better position. Unfortunately, with the way this one goes, and I'm aware that Yair won his fight by injury too. You have now a scenario, you know Josh stays active. You know Yair overall, I will say Yair in recent years doesn't fight as much, but I feel like that's other, you know, stuff. Uh-huh. Arnold just has a much longer um, 
I'll just say a career in UFC of not being active. Right. Yeah. And so you tell me if I have to make a business decision, which two out of these three guys do I put for an interim title? I'm sorry, but just off of that alone, it should be Josh and Yair. Of course. And I now agree. Arnold is the odd man out because it's like, well, will he stay active? Can he stay healthy? I know he's on a win streak, but it's just tough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you completely. Like the not, we didn't see enough. First of all, so we have to we have to take that into account, even though it's not Ellen's fault. And he's just no longer hasn't been for some time because of his schedule. Um, a big enough name against Yair, even with his issues, and and Josh Emmett, who's maybe not as popular, but they've been there. They just have more cachet, and that it is what it is. Yeah, I think that um, Yair obviously looks great, having gone those five rounds, the classic with Max last year. Um, it was last year, right? I hope so. Yes. I mean, yes, 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 it was. Twenty twenty was the rematch with Volk, so it would have been last year. But um, look, my point of that is that Yair, he's kind of been sitting on that one for a minute. Obviously, Josh is banging the drum for himself. And yeah, that just leaves Arnold as the odd man out. Now, all is not lost, my friend. I do think that Max Holloway staying at 45, I think is a perfect time for Arnold to kind of say, hey, look, take it from, you know, UK to Hawaii. Let's try to make this happen with Max Holloway early 2023. He's not hurt. For Arnold Allen. Oh, for Arnold. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a better fight for Arnold Allen than for Max, but Max needs a, just a regular win, too, just to get his confidence back. So I do like that fight, actually. I mean, I guess to me, where do we really go with Max Holloway? I mean, yeah, that's uh, a tricky one, too. I, I certainly wouldn't want him to fight either Yair or Josh, just because I feel like we've already got that fight locked in. Um, Arnold could certainly try to be a backup for a potential interim title, but... Once again, I think he's staying inactive is now hurting him as opposed to helping him because of everything he's gone through over the last several years. So I would actually encourage some activity. But for my money, if you're talking February, Volk, Islam, Komain, Josh, Yair, and then you know what? Maybe put Arnold and Max on the March pay-per-view. I mean, think about it. You could do... Jones and Ganu, that sells itself. But Comain, Arnold Allen, Max Holloway? Yeah, you know, that, that's good. I you mean, don't you need to add that... belts. You could no, add you belts, don't. but yeah. Well, because anytime it's Max Holloway, you know you're going to get something good. Like, he always delivers, regardless of, of opponent. So if you want to make sure, it's almost like you don't want a belt under Nganu, um, you know, Jones, if that's what it is. You don't want another championship fight under there because, like you said, that's enough. And you want to make sure more than anything that you get people primed and amped up for the main event. And I think Max Holloway against anyone is going to do that for you. No, I, I'm with you there completely. I think that that's where we go. But, um, yeah, if I were breaking down the calendar, that's what I'd target. Sean Shelby, McMaynard, take the night off. I got this. <laughs> take the night off. No worries, gentlemen. <laughs> but yeah, um, look, it was a decent night at UFC. I think that, um, I'll be honest, that was just a smor- ah, smorgasbord of 
combat sports because early morning you get going with Bellator. Um, Bellator and UFC actually overlapped for a bit and then Arnold and Cater got done right after the Chris Avila, Dr. Mike fight on the Paul Silva oh, pay-per-view. <laughs> oh man, it was a rough night for Dr. Mike. Rough night for him. Sorry, Doc. Um, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, so it really, let's be honest, you could have had like a good 18 hours of combat sports if you decided you wanted to watch it all, but yeah, it, look, the fact is it was a lot and I, I get it. For fans who watch a lot, sometimes it could feel like too much. But if you don't, a day where you could actually just binge it, I mean, enjoy, you know? That's the nice thing about it. Um, MMA news. Uh, probably the biggest one. Bellator announces their latest uh, co-promotion with Ryzen in Japan. Another New Year's Eve card. But most notably, they are pulling out all the stops. So they are bringing both, you know, AJ McKee, Patricio Pitbull, Juan Archuleta, Kyoji Horiguchi, technically now playing for the enemy, I guess you could say. He's repping <laughs> Bellator against Ryzen. And um, let me pull up the names just because I'm always bad at pronouncing them. But pretty much uh, AJ McKee is going to be the main event against Roberto Satoshi Souza. Uh, Patricio is taking on Kleber Koik. Uh, Juan Archuleta against um, Su Chul Kim and Horiguchi is taking on Hiromasa Ogikubo. Now, <laughs> please don't make me say those again um, until New Year's Eve. But the point is, look, you got AJ taking on the their lightweight champion, non-title fight. You got Pitbull taking on the featherweight champion, non-title fight. Uh, for all intents and purposes, that is a pretty good card. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, this is exciting. You know, we love how Bellator and Ryzen are just so cooperative and creative with each other. What I like, apart from, I, well, here's what I like. AJ McKee, I like that he's in it. I like that Pitbull's in it. Um, Archuleta's, you know, is is one of the bigger names at Bellator also. And Kyoji Horiguchi, like, they, they always match or put their, their best fighters in their biggest cards, I like that um, that they're doing this again. I really like that AJ's in it. New Year's Eve kind of is like it seems exciting, but I feel I feel like it's one of those days that could get a little just buried, you know. Like people are not not necessarily going out, um, but yeah, we're sort of on the on the upswing, right, from pandemic. Uh, um, What's the word I can think of the word? When we were cloistered in our houses. Um, uh, quarantined. Yes, thank you. Quarantined. <laughs> um, we're on, we're, you know, we're on the other side of that. And so, you know, maybe people want to go out and party for New Year's, probably. And so I'm just thinking, like, is that still the right day um, for this event? But it, it has fanfare attached to it, so I, I like it. I'm thinking, though, like, you really have to do something to, you know, to make it pop. And, you know, we always talk about the posters. Of course, please make some nice posters. But if they could make some really nice, some really strong video content, you know, all, uh, all access Showtime or Embedded or Countdown, like all that stuff, but, but put their own twist on it, do something cool. I think we really need to see something special to get us hyped up for this because I'm going to just be honest with you. I, I'm not familiar with the Rising Fighters. 
I know the Bellator fighters, but why do should I watch these promotions colliding? That's what I want to know. Like, what's the reason? Apart from the, you know, cool factor and the novelty of it, I need a real reason to tune in. And so give me some drama, give me some conflict. Like, that's what I want Bellator and Ryzen to, to work on it, the marketing to get me hyped for this. Uh, I'm 100% there with you. I think that for me... Um, you know, at this point, if you don't know AJ Patricio, uh, you know, the guys, I, I don't know what really to tell you. I, I would argue that they are the most famous fighters. They're the most promoted fighters in Bellator yeah. outside of maybe Fedor and Musasi. Um, I mean, yeah, you can make the argue Patricky and Usman Nurmagomedov and MVP, but when you talk about the activity the longevity the overall exposure for from big outlets that guys like aj and pitbull have had it's like look um i get it to many people the ufc sucks just all that air out of the room it's hard to Mm -hmm. find when you when you get a plate from ufc every week it's hard to say like oh i really need to go eat at bellator's restaurant i i get it yeah to a lot of fans that's just it um, for Bellator, though, I think that if you really want us to understand this, like you said, you really got to almost make all your promotion about Ryzen. I need to know why Souza is so good. I needed to know why Kleber, Kleber is so good. Um, I, I, I need to know what these guys do. I need to see them sleep in some dudes. I need to see it on my TV, on my screens, on the socials, uh-huh. because I want to feel that hype, why this is dangerous for AJ, why this is dangerous for Pitbull, because just telling me that as a Westerner, uh-huh. I can tell you that it's like that heat, it just isn't there for me. And I will acknowledge this right now. Yes, we are MMA daily. And maybe I'll say this full credit as somebody who already has to devote a lot of their job to the weekly ins and outs of UFC schedule and the UFC roster. Yeah. It's hard to say, oh, I'm also all in. I could tell you everything about what's going on in Ryzen. I know that there are guys out there in this business. My friend Drake Riggs. um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. God God bless him. I'll say this right now. I don't know how Drake has that much room in his brain for as many rosters as he does but he my point is he does i cannot say that you know week in week out i could tell you everything about what's going on in ryzen and that i have a great understanding of that promotion on top of everything we present every week with ufc and bellator pfl everything else right so if you want to really sell this to me i already know aj i already know pitbull i know juan i know kyoji I need to know about everybody else. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's just like, well, it's guys I don't know fighting the stars of Bellator. Right. And right, you exactly. could put any brand behind them, any logo. If I don't know why they're hype, I'm not going to feel it. And that's just pretty much it. Pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, you, but um, yeah, I think this is a... Uh, I'll say this. This is actually a sneaky good uh, finale to the year for Bellator, if you think about it. Um, I want to say the next card should be the November 12th, the Patricky and Usman, and then the Nemkov-Corey Anderson 
okay. rematch. Yeah. Then you have uh, Liz Carmouche and Girl Rilla, and then obviously the guys in the Grand Prix, Stotts, Sabatello, all that good stuff. Um, and then obviously New Year's Eve, you cap it off with this one. Bellator has been less frequent with the cards, but you notice they're more stacked. Suddenly, you know, where the prelims were really loaded with local fighters, now suddenly a lot of their prospects are getting the shine. Um, even if they don't air on the Showtime portion of the card, even if they're just on YouTube. So I do appreciate that there's a little more bang for your buck if you're following Bellator. Now, mind you, I think this is kind of ironically what sometimes people struggle with with UFC. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a card every week. I don't, you know, I don't know everybody like I used to for UFC, like top up and down the card. Well, that's what happens when you have such a big roster now compared to the old days. Bellator running less frequently, I will say that if you do follow them, you are familiar with more of their people on the undercards than the, you know, than things were in years prior. And I think that that's a really good thing. But it goes back to it. You just got to find a way to kind of make the fan base connect again. And I think that's one thing about Bellator Every fight almost feels exactly the same in that, okay, same poster, same pose, Mm -hmm. week in, week out. And it's like, you know, even UFC, even though UFC feels very, you know, the traveling circus, the clowns come out, the lion tamer, the Hugh Jackman greatest showman guy. um, At least the poster kind of changes. At least it's kind of presented. Bellator, it's always... This fight this week, next fight next month, next fight next month. I think that there needs to be that little thing to really flip it and make it feel different. And I'm hoping they find that for the Ryzen card. Yes, I'm, I am too because this is a, a lot of effort they're putting in. And I feel like they expect us to just fully understand why it's a big deal. They're underestimating. No, they're overestimating us. <laughs> Our, our interest, you know, I, I think, again, like, just give us some good videos, make some good content. Like you said, put it everywhere. Long, short, long form, short form, everything in between. Merchandise. I, I love a t-shirt. I love me some t-shirts. Make some cool t-shirts. Get creative. Even if it's like, I don't know who these people are. If the t-shirt looks cool, maybe I'll buy it. You know, they have to just think a little big here. And uh, I don't know if they can do it. I really don't. I don't know if they will do it. Not that they're incapable. I just don't know if they're interested. (laughs) I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I I think they can, man. I I think it just takes a little bit of patience. I think that it just takes a little bit of willingness to to just go there and make it happen. But I I do believe in that. I I still do, for sure. Um, Obviously, when, how, we'll get there soon. I, I think that it'll just be a matter of time. Um, this Saturday, we do still have some more UFC action. Marina Rodriguez taking on Amanda Lemos. And I talked about, I touched on it last week. Marina Rodriguez doing a fantastic job staying active. Not only do I like the fact that she's still taking fights, I like the fact that she's just taking them at the frequency that she is. So, remember, they moved her from 280 to this one. Mm-hmm. She had a fight earlier this year, beat Jan Shannon. 
obviously she beat Mackenzie Dern last year in the main event and yep. after beating Mackenzie I think that everyone thought okay Marina's Marina's kind of earned her spot after Carla Esparza for the title now obviously a lot of stuff has happened for Amanda Lemos obviously this is a really huge one she choked out karate hottie Michelle Watterson She'd been on a nice little run before she ran into Jessica Andrade in April. You remember yeah. that was the main event? Mm-hmm. She kind of now is the one with a lot to gain fighting Marina Rodriguez. And I think that that's what makes this fight very interesting. Both of them are very tough. Um, both of them are very well-rounded. Obviously, Marina is more proven against higher-ranked competition. But Amanda Lemos, obviously, she earned her title, not title fight, but... She earned her main event earlier this year for a reason. You got to think that she sees some opportunity here to leapfrog in the rankings against Marina. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. This is a fight. Am I, you know, chopping at the bit to see it? No, but it's an important fight. It has significance. It's going to clear up the pictures, clear up the picture a little bit in the division. And these are two fighters that have been doing good work, especially Marina. You know, she's been in the conversation a lot for, for, you know, a while now. And Lemos is getting in that conversation too. And as the names in uh, 115 that used to be at the top, the most popular names, you know, Michelle Watterson, you mentioned her, even, even Angela Hill, I'm not counting Mackenzie Dern out by any means. So she's still at the top of this, this uh, conversation, these conversations, but, um, I think that you know Marina and and Lemos are are the ones that are the new sort of new generation. Now, what's interesting is that they're both 35, and you know, not knocking on a woman for being 35 at all, but it is sort of um, important to note that this isn't these aren't spring chickens in a good way. That means they have experience, and I think that's why they're coming into their own now because they've been able to push through um, some of the challenges that younger fighters, female fighters have been coming into the UFC with. Like They come in with a lot of spunk and energy, but they still don't have all the skills to back it up. And because we're short on the female star side, the UFC pushes the female fighters that show that energy, that give that energy, they push them to the top, right? Think of Paige Van Zandt, even... Um, uh, not Mo- not Molly, but the one that just went to um, the one that just got dropped. I can't remember her name. Aspen Lad. These fighters that that were getting that push, but weren't quite 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 ready to live up to it. So I like Marina. I like Lemos because they can they can back it up. Um, they're not getting the push from the UFC like these other ladies were, but they can get in there and give good fights and be real title contenders. So I'm I'm excited about this fight in that regard. Um, and just from what I've seen of both fighters, I think this is going to be Marina's fight. I think she'll be able to use her Muay Thai like she, like she has been. She has other, other tools, of course, as well, but I like her stand-up game, and I think that's just how she's going to be able to control the fight, outpoint Lemos, and, and you know, we're not getting a cool finish here, but, but it's going to be a good win for her. I actually see a um, finish for Marina Rodriguez. I okay. think just um, the size... I think that that to me is really the real key to it. I think that um, Amanda, and I'm aware, just I feel like when I see her 
standing next to the uh, she was taller look most girls are taller than Andrade by a bit right oh yeah but i almost feel like when you look at a marina a whaley joanna rose um you know for flyweights they're very tall and very big and i i think that that's really the key i think that amanda just may struggle a little bit with the physicality of marina I think that Amanda's very well-rounded. I think she gets after it very well, um, can grapple, can look to, you know, go for some submissions, isn't afraid to, you know, sit down and stick a move with her hands and her feet and try to sit down on some punches. I just think that Marina Rodriguez technically is a little cleaner. I think that she's a little bigger, a little stronger. And I think that those little things are what really start to add up when you're talking about a fight like this magnitude, five rounds, high stakes, um, both sides are talented. I think that that's where the real difference is going to be. I think that this is a winnable fight for Amanda, but she's really got to take that respect for Marina early. For Marina, I think that it's no coincidence that this fight comes so close to the uh, Zhang Wei Li, Carla Esparza fight. She knows she looks good here. Uh-huh. Rose Namajunas, we don't know where she's at. I know she's got the documentary coming out. Um, however, it doesn't look like she's going to be fighting before the end of the year. Uh, Jessica Andrade has already booked at flyweight. So to me, for Marina Rodriguez, I think she knows just handle business. And not only am I still the next title challenger... For crying out loud, I've technically taken on some of the other contenders in Shonan, in Dern, in mm-hmm. Lemos already. And now I could target the Carlos Rose, you know, Wei Lees of the world. And that's all I got left. And in that way, I think that she's going to handle it. I think she will be dialed in and focused. And I'm going to actually say a second round uh, TKO for okay. uh, Marina. I mean, that sounds I think good, she's man. just going to get it going and land the one she wants, and that'll be all she wrote. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So. Down for that. Why Why not, right? Why Let's not? do it. <laughs> why not? Look, yeah. I, I mean, who doesn't want to see a finish? Let's go. Oh, my gosh. I mean, don't you? Yeah, I mean, when, that's when, the only reason I want. That's what got me into MMA is watching <laughs> – those uh you know top 10 knockouts on uh, spike tv or whatever oh weren't those the good old days oh my god they're so awesome espn still does it but man they're like in the middle of the night now. Not, yeah actually that's when i used to watch these too but it's just different but it happened more it's often different. yeah it, now it's at like 10 it used to be at eight and it's like by 10 o'clock <laughs> i'm like i'm taking a shower i'm like <laughs> you know i'm getting ready for bed anymore yeah. man it's like i work people um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it next week. Not for nothing. It is UFC 281, Israel Adesanya, Alex Pereira. Like I just said, Carla Esparza, Zhang Wei Li, um, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, Frankie Edgar, Chris Gutierrez, Dan Hooker, Cla- Claudio Puellas. Um, you know what? Um, I was actually just talking about this fight, uh, this card, uh, today, I feel like this fight is for the hardcores, Adesanya Pereira, in that when you think about, I'm trying to compare them to somebody else, when Jorge Masvidal was coming up, and especially when he had his breakout year, 
he was still so much the B-side to Nate Diaz. Yeah. And how many fights has Masvidal had, even leading up to that? Alex Pereira, compared to Masvidal, taking on... I mean, you would I, I would argue he's probably up there in argument for one of the best fighters. Uh, I'll say the biggest star in the UFC right now, who's also on a roll. You could argue Connor's more famous. You could argue a level of popularity for like a John Jones. Mm-hmm. I feel like Adesanya is the guy who is at the top of his game, winning, and is popular. Gotcha. I yeah, feel like, I for example, I think Volk sometimes maybe not as popular as Adesanya. Maybe because it took him a while. Maybe it's just a bit of the personal branding. Nothing personal. I love Volk. But I feel like Adesanya is like that full package, marketable, exciting, and he's one of the, he's the best guy at his weight class. Alex Pereira yeah. has had three UFC fights. And he's headlining MSG, headlining pay-per-view against Israel. Now, if you're a hardcore fan... If you follow this, if you are aware of just how good he's looked and why he's looked that way in those three fights, it's awesome. You know why you should tune in yeah, for the exactly. fight. But I could also imagine why, where the casual fan who isn't all in on this may need a little help being sold Pereira as the B-side to an Adesanya. And to me, maybe this isn't for the casuals who tuned in Last week for 280, and they know everything is a banger. This one, though, is if you know MMA, you know this is a good one. And then you add the Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler element uh-huh. as the third down. I think this is a great card. What about you? Yeah, dude, I, I was just thinking this, that like this might actually result in being more exciting than, than, than 280 was, right? We talked about how it didn't quite live up to the hype. It was still a great card, of course, but this one looks like it might deliver more consistently from, you know, prelims, early prelims, all the way up. Like, you know, Michael Trezano at early prelims, Carolina Kovalevich. Like, I'm excited to see what she's gonna do. Right? She was in that place where she was almost gonna retire. She won a fight. She showed us something we've never seen from her before. That's exciting. Um, and Dominic Reyes is fighting on the prelims. Yeah. You know. Renato Moicano, Brad Riddell, like these are yeah. really good uh, fights. Aaron Blanchfield, Meatball yeah. Molly. I mean, Molly that's McCann, a fun fight. Exactly, man. Yeah. Like I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, I was clearly keeping, I was, you know, not looking. I had tunnel vision for 280. Um, the one that worries me a little bit is Dan Hooker because he's four out of, you know, lost four out of his last five. Tough lost times, right? Five. Tough times. It feels like he's. I don't know if you've ever gone to a casino, played on a slot machine, and you just start losing money. And instead of walking <laughs> away, you just keep putting more 20s in the machine because you're like, nah, man, the next one's going to hit. The next one's going to hit. I feel like he's doing that right now a little bit. Um, you you know, know, maybe the, take a step back. You just that's a, that's a top five metaphor from you right there. <laughs> I've been I, there, man. I lost 80 bucks in 20 minutes once. <laughs> girl. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I did walk away after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, um i don't want to add a to Peruvian, that so you know i know this guy's good so it's, he's you know he's up against it right now dan hooker <laughs> it's dan hooker man i know I he know. ain't afraid of no man <laughs> no nah, uh, look I, i'm with you there i think um as a full package it's good obviously the nostalgia of frankie edgar uh retiring on that one um yeah yeah it, it's gonna be a good card but I think that for me, it's really 
there's a lot of little stuff earlier in the night, but I think just when you talk about that three pack at the top, that's where the crescendo is at, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, but um, we'll obviously be you know tuning in and. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, we will break down all of that. Adesanya Pereira, Carla Whaley, Poirier Chandler, all that good stuff. We'll recap this week's action. But until then, have a safe Halloween. Whether you're partying, whether you're having people at the house, take care now. And we'll be back for the next one.